0: Welcome in to the American Lean Podcast. It's Wednesday, and I want to talk about a very important topic in today's environment, and that's how to increase cash flow without laying off employees. And this is part two of a four-part series. Now, if you've had an opportunity to read my book, The Lean Game Plan, you know that I talk about implementing pull systems within an organization to improve inventory turns and increase cash flow. I saw firsthand in the late 90s how powerful pull systems are when I worked with a family-owned company in Cincinnati that had two inventory turns and they were struggling with cash flow. After we placed the parts that supported the top 80% of their sales on a pull system, one year later they had 12 inventory turns and had dramatically increased their cash flow. Given the timing of the work, it saved them when 9-11 happened and demand for their product took a downturn. So how do we implement this system in your organization? Let's talk about the four beginning steps to implement pull systems so that you begin to increase cash flow in your business. We'll get into it right after the intro. Welcome to the American Lean Podcast, where we cover five topics in five days in about five minutes. The only place in the world where you can get daily lean coaching. Your host is Tom Reed, and he shares his 30 years of experience and covers leadership, culture, entrepreneurship, lean methodologies, Industry 4.0, and interviews special guests on their lean journey. We're glad you're here, so let's go. Welcome to the American Lean Podcast. This is episode 45. And like I mentioned, I want to talk about ways to increase cash flow without eliminating employees. Last week, I did the initial podcast of this, which talked about understanding your cost of goods sold and how direct labor costs for many manufacturers is the smallest piece of the cost of goods sold pie, and how material is usually about half of the cost of goods sold. So, in this podcast, I want to talk about how we begin setting up our systems to help eliminate a lot of the inventory you may have sitting around. So step number one, conduct a Pareto analysis. Now you may have heard of the Pareto analysis. It's the 80-20 rule. So in this case, we want to understand the 20% of the items that you sell that make up 80% of the demand through conducting a Pareto analysis. Focusing on those top items will allow us immediate gains in inventory turns and improve cash flow quickly. This is going to be very important in today's environment when you may not be sure what your demand will be moving forward. But chances are, your customers will still order your top items. And it's important that we become extremely efficient on those items. The Pareto analysis has always worked with every company that I've ever worked with. And I'll give you an example. Years ago, when I lived in Cincinnati, Formica called our consulting organization and wanted us to lay out a new warehouse. Now, when we began working with them, they had 29,000 different SKUs, or stock keeping units. And they said, we're running out of room to hold all of this stuff. So we asked the obvious question, well, what are your top items? And then you heard crickets. So the math says out of 29,000 different items, 20% of that's 5,800. So 5,800 different items should have made up 80% of their sales. But when we did the analysis, it was something like a couple hundred items. And there were like 10 colors that made up most of their sales. White, off-white, things like that. The one that surprised us was yellow. What company was growing very rapidly in the late 90s, early 2000s? and everything in their store was yellow. Well, it was Subway, and that's what drove a lot of demand for their yellow color. But anyway, they definitely, out of 29,000 different units, followed the 80-20 rule. Matter of fact, much, much less. Needless to say, we didn't need to lay out a new warehouse for them. We just focused on the items that made most of their sales and began to slowly eliminate a lot of the rest. So step number two, review the bill of materials for those top items. The importance of reviewing the bill of materials is to understand what parts are consumed by those top parent items in the Pareto analysis. Now realize that some parts may be used in multiple items, and that's important to know because we'll have to aggregate the demand for those particular parts. Step number three is to develop what are called pull chains. Now on my blog, I show a picture of a couple different pull chains. Basically, it's the series of steps that a part will move through before it gets to the final assembly area. But one decision we need to make, pretty much up front is if we're going to use what's called a supermarket to supply parts to the line or if we're going to pull parts to the line directly from the warehouse. So what's a supermarket? Well, it's just like it sounds. It's a location close to the point of use that holds a variety of parts that the line can pull from when they do run out of parts on the line. Supermarkets are useful when you have either a very large facility or when your suppliers are not as consistent as you would like. They are also useful if you have a lot of internally machine components that may have long lead times. So one example of a pull chain would be assembly pulls from the supermarket, supermarket pulls from the warehouse, and warehouse pulls from the supplier. Realize that every part may have a different pull chain. So for your organization, depending upon what you do, there may be 6, 8, 10, 20 different pull chains that your parts fall into. Another example of a pull chain might be assembly pulling from the supermarket and the supermarket pulling from your machine shop there's going to be different pull chains for the different part types that go into your parent units. Step number four in setting this up, we have to decide how many days worth of material we want to keep at each step in the pull chain. Now that we know the locations that each part will go through, we need to calculate the pull quantities for each location. What's nice about this is in setting it up, we are in control of the internal location quantities. We can make those whatever we want. We can keep a day's worth of material at the line. We can keep 2 weeks worth of material at the line that is up to us the only quantity we cannot control is the warehouse quantity for the warehouse quantity you have to keep enough material on hand to supply the supermarket or the line while the supplier prepares your order now ideally we're going to partner with our suppliers bring them into the conversation and that will help us understand what they can deliver as far as lead times the good thing is because we're using a pull system every time we do order material It's going to be in the same quantity, and we're designing the system to replenish at a fairly consistent time. If their quantity is two weeks, they should be seeing an order from us about every two weeks. And that's going to help them plan their own shop. So, in the example we talked about a minute ago, let's say that we want to keep two days' worth of material on the line, four days' worth of material in the supermarket, and eight days' worth of part ABC in the warehouse. That would mean that our supplier for part ABC can resupply our order in four days because we're going to set up the system using a two-bin system. At each location, there will be two bins of part ABC. So at the line, there would be two bins, each with about one day's worth of material to cover the two days. There would be two bins in the supermarket with two days worth of material in them to cover the four days. And then the warehouse would have two bins with four days worth of material in them to cover the eight days. So why do we want to use two bins? It's called a pull system because when one of the bins is empty, That is our signal to replenish more. Now, while that container is gone being replenished, we have a second container to pull from. What's nice about the system is it reflects actual consumption, and we only order more material when we have a signal to do so. And that's how you flush out a lot of the excess inventory, and you keep it out for good. And that is the first step to increasing cash flow. Next time, we'll cover the calculations that will allow us to size each individual container within our pull chain. So I hope this added value for you today. Remember, consuming information is great, but I want you to take this information to make yourself and your company a little bit better today. This podcast is for you, so if there are topics that you would like me to cover, or if you'd like to share your company's lean journey, please contact me at Tom at AmericanLean.com. Full show notes can be found at AmericanLean.com blog. How to Increase cash flow Without Laying Off Employees, part two. Until tomorrow, have a great one